are listening to Where Have All the Children Gone? This is part two of The Little Gentleman. I call it that because that was what John Walsh called his son Adam, which started my deep dive into this whole story. Those of you who listened to part one heard the story of Adam Walsh, who was kidnapped, killed, and beheaded by Otis Elwood Toole. Toole was known to confess to murder she did not do and later recant. This case was no different. However, when a new chief came to town in Hollywood, Florida, he opened the cold case and reviewed all the evidence and found there was more than enough evidence to convict Mr. Toole. He also allowed Adam's dad, John Walsh, to have independent investigators review the files and they too conclusively determined Otis Toole was the murderer. Unfortunately, by this time, as you know, Otis had died of cirrhosis at the age of 49 while he was in prison. We're going to look at Otis's life. I'll give my warning. This podcast contains mature and graphic material, including material regarding children that may be offensive to some listeners. So that out of the way, let's delve into the life of Otis Elwood Toole. Some people called him Otis, some people called him Otis. He was also known as the Jacksonville Cannibal. He was born in 1947 in Jacksonville, Florida. Toole's father was an alcoholic who abandoned him, while his abusive mother would, according to Toole, dress him in girls' clothing, and some reports state she called him Becky. Most likely this is in reference to his mentally challenged niece. Toole claimed that as a young child, he was a victim of sexual assault and incest at the hands of many close relatives and acquaintances, including his older sister and a next-door neighbor. In the documentary Death Diploma, Toole claimed at age five he was forced to have sex with a friend of his father's named Chris. When he told his parents they wouldn't believe him, They didn't think he would do something like that because Chris would frequently take all the children to the show or to the beach. He also claimed that his maternal grandmother was a Satanist who exposed him to various Satanic practices and rituals in his youth, including self-mutilation, grave robbing, and dubbed him Devil's Child. Toole claimed the abuse from his family really began when revealed his homosexuality to them. Now, we only have Toole's word about his grandmother being a Satanist. I do know that Toole did do self-mutilation and also burned himself a lot with cigarettes. Toole said he felt he knew he was gay when he was 10 and claimed to have a sexual relationship with a neighbor boy when he was 12. When Toole reached the ninth grade, he dropped out of school and began visiting gay bars. He also claimed to have been a male prostitute as a teenager and became obsessed with gay pornography. Toole was often designated as suffering from mild mental retardation, with an IQ of 75. He also suffered from epilepsy, which resulted in frequent grand mal seizures. Throughout Toole's childhood, he frequently ran away from home and often slept in abandoned houses. He was a serial arsonist from a young age 
and was sexually aroused by the fire. Toole claimed to have committed his first murder at age of 14 after being picked up by a traveling salesman. The man forced him to have sex and Toole ran him over with his own car. However, Toole was first arrested at the age of 17 in August 1965 for loitering. Toole dressed in drag to get rides while hitchhiking and to hunt for dates at rescue missions. It's not clear what part his early experience as a girl played. Much information on Tool between 1966 and 1973 is unclear, but authorities believe that he began drifting around the southwestern United States and they just supported himself by prostitution, petty crime, and panhandling. Now, a lot of the rest of what I'm going to be reading to you. Most of it is alleged by Mr. Toole. Some of it is substantiated and proven, but most of it's an alleged and fit into a timeline of someone that he killed. Some of them are bodies that he showed the police where they were, but they had he was only he was not convicted of all these crimes. I guess is the best way to put it. On September 28, 1968, Savannah, Georgia, Toole allegedly strangled and burned the body of an unknown victim. While living in Lincoln, Nebraska, Toole was one of the prime suspects in the 1974 murder of 24-year-old Patricia Webb. She was an employee of an adult books and cinema store who disappeared overnight on April 18, 1974, along with 51 bondage-themed mag- adult magazines, a calculator, and $30. A cord leading to an extension from a payphone had been cut and the shop door left unlocked. Two and a half days later, Oscar Fien went to feed cattle on a vacant farm he owned east of Hollum and spotted a blue jacket sleeve and patch of thigh barely visible under a haystack. Patricia Carroll Webb's bullet-ridden body was nude under the hay except for a quilted jacket one of the 143 extra-large jackets distributed by a feed and mill and given to customers or sold to employees. Webb, 24, had a piece of tape over her mouth. 38 years later, her death remains one of Lincoln's greatest murder mysteries. But this is one that he was a prime suspect in. The three things that they knew was Webb was a victim of robbery or or burglary, the killer was a sexual psychopath, and the murder was an execution, possibly related to her work as an informant. They also believed there were two killers and that they moved the body because little blood was found nearby. And as you hear more about Tool and then on part three about his partner, this, this description fits him very well. In September... 1974, Colorado Springs, Colorado, Toole alleged he attacked Yoon Lee. He stated he stabbed her, slashed her throat, and set her on fire. Somehow, she survived. He also attacked her cousin, Soon Soon Uk, who admitted to rape, he admitted to raping her. He then shot her and stabbed her and set her on fire. 
A month later, Tool became a prime suspect in the homicide of 31-year-old Ellen Holman, who was murdered on October 14, 1974. Ellen Holman was abducted from Pueblo, Colorado, shot three times in the head with a 38, and was dumped near the Oklahoma border. With many accusations against him, Tool left Boulder and headed back to Jacksonville. In early 1975, Tool returned to Jacksonville after drifting and hitchhiking through the American South. On January 14, 1976, he married a woman 25 years his senior. However, she left him after only three days after discovering he was a homosexual. In 1976, Toole met Henry Lee Lucas at a Jacksonville soup kitchen and it's alleged they soon developed a sexual relationship. Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Toole traveled across 26 states massacring as many people as they could find. They preyed upon hitchhikers, prostitutes, and migrant workers. They would pick them up, lure them off to a quiet area where they would be murdered. Murder for them was just a way for a young couple to bond. They would talk about it openly. Their crimes were horrible. Often there would be sexually assault their victims before they killed them and mutilate them beyond recognition afterward. They have jailhouse phone conversations between Lucas and Otis, or Otis, and Lucas would tell people they didn't feel the slightest amount of guilt. And that usually preceded him telling them about the time he crossed two state lines with someone's severed head in his back seat. Toole had a penchant for eating their bodies. It was something he and Lucas were caught talking about in a private conversation over a prison phone also. The way he talked about it, it sounded like something worth being nostalgic about. These are some of Tool's other alleged victims. July 31st, 1976, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Alice Dobbin, 70, was robbed, sexually assaulted with a toilet plunger, and strangled with wire. August 16th, 1976, Pueblo, Colorado. Otis Toole confessed to the murder of Sharon Marie Cop. 35. A fisherman discovered a plastic bag on the banks of the Pueblo Reservoir containing human remains. Hours later, another plastic bag was found containing more remains. Approximately 20 miles away on Pueblo's east side. The investigation quickly identified the remains as belonging to Sharon Marie Kopp, a 34-year-old mother of three girls. Sharon had been beaten and sexually assaulted, tortured, and it was determined that she died from blunt force trauma. Although he also confessed to this murder, it is still an open case. February 12, 1977, Houston, Texas. Bernice Price Erdman, 76. According to his confession, she was beaten to death with his fist and with a frying pan. March 1st, 1977, Waldo, Florida. Julie Cohen, 22, was the first female to be admitted into the University of Florida's graduate forestry program. In March of 1977, she was alone in the Austin Cary 
Memorial Forest working on a class project. Part of her research consisted of taking samples from local trees and grasses. When Cohen didn't show up for her class the next day, fellow students began a massive search. Her remains were found in the forest. She'd been strangled with her own bra. Investigators theorized that the attack was personal or maybe sexual. There were signs of a struggle, but little evidence was left at the scene. The police set up roadblocks along Waldo Road, but no one claimed to have seen anything unusual. Detectives recently submitted items to a specialty lab in hopes of getting touch DNA, which is cells from the killer that may have been transferred onto Cohen's clothing. It's been 33 years since Julie Cohen was murdered, and no suspect has been charged. November 30th, 1977, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Tina Williams, 17. Some reports state she was shot twice in the head with a 38. Others report her body was riddled with bullets. No one has been ever charged with this on this case. The same with John Carter Swint, December 19, 1977, Houston, Texas, 66. He was shot in the back of the head with a shotgun. January 18, 1979, Houston, Texas, Alfredo Treviso, who was stabbed once in the stomach, chest, and right thigh. On February 6, 1980, Pensacola, Florida, David Shalart, 19, Tool admitted to killing 18-year-old David Shalart, a hitchhiker he picked up east of Pensacola. Shalart's body, bearing five gunshot wounds in the left side of his head, was found on February 6, 1980, approximately 125 feet off I-10's eastbound lane, five miles east of Chipley. July 27, 1981, Hollywood, Florida, Adam Walsh, 6. He was asphyxiated, decapitated, post-mortem, and allegedly with a machete. Joanna Holter, 46, was slashed to death, allegedly with the same machete used to decapitate Adam Walsh. The relationship between Toole and Lucas fell apart when Lucas started seeing Otis Toole's 12-year-old niece, Becky Powell. He would later say that he liked having someone young to look up to him. And there's no one better for that than a small child. He grabbed her ra- up, ran off, and left Tool alone. Tool was so upset about it that he allegedly killed nine people just to blow off steam. In April of 1983, Tool was arrested for an arson incident in Jacksonville. Tool confessed to the crime and was sentenced to 20 years in prison. While in prison, Tool signed a confession stating that he that he had barricaded 65-year-old George Sonnenberg in a boarding house where he was living in Jacksonville and set the house on fire. Evidently, according to his confession, Sonnenberg and he had begun a sexual relationship, and after the two had an argument, Tool set Sonnenberg's home on fire. Sonnenberg died a week later of injuries he sustained in the fire. On April 28, 1984, a jury found Tool guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced him to death. Later that year, Tool was found guilty of the February 1983 strangulation murder of 19-year-old Tallahassee, Florida woman. 
and received a second death sentence. On appeal, however, both sentences were later commuted to life in prison. After his incarceration, Toole pled guilty to four more Jacksonville murders in 1991 and received four more life sentences. Toole died at Florida State Prison of Cirrhosis on September 15, 1996, at the age of 49. His body went unclaimed, and he was buried in the Florida State Prison Cemetery. Now, when we get to part three, and we look at Mr. Lucas, you're going to think that I went crazy and that I just got confused and reading you the same thing because there are so many similarities between Otis or Otis and Henry Lee Lucas. It's uncanny. So be sure to come back for that, for the third part of the little gentleman. I'd like to give thanks to Oklahoman.com, Wikipedia, Crime Scene, EDB.com, Reddit.com, WordPress.com, Hand of Death by Max Cal, RollingStone.com, Texas Shill County.com, Serial Killer Global, Henry Lee Lucas Documentary, American Crime Serial Killer, YouTube, and Biography.com. I'll see you for part three.